The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 87. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest Picard episode, The End is the Beginning. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well. Folks, remember to follow us on social media and engage us in the, us and uh, the rest of the audience of uh, Secrets of Star Trek listeners uh, in conversation on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're at SQPN. And, and like I said, leave us comments, like the content, and uh, you know, join the community of discussion. It's a lot of fun to to get to know you all uh, there. And we've gotten to know some of our uh, listeners very well through our social media, so we really enjoy that. All right, so uh, before we get into this, I want to talk about, uh, we've mentioned before, Ready Room, which is a uh, YouTube mm -hmm. show that's done by CBS featuring Will Wheaton interviewing people involved with the show. And uh, in the Ready Room episode pertaining to The End is the Beginning, uh, he talked with Michelle Hurd, the actress who plays Rafi, who's featured prominently in this mm -hmm. episode. One of the things they talked about was Patrick Stewart in, his, uh, in, in how he makes this show. One of the things she said is he will stop what they're doing on set when they're, you know, when they're rehearsing or filming, whatever. When he feels like, no, the fans will not let us get away with that. No, we have to change hmm. this and they'll rework it. He has a, apparently has a lot of respect for the fans and their proprietary notions over the show, the way things ought to be. I thought that was a very interesting insight into how Patrick Stewart sees the show. What do you think of that? I, w I wonder if I wonder how well it, it's showing up. And I, I think, you know, other than. Again, just kind of my my scanning around the the YouTubes, um, kind of how other than the, the the sites that are, this isn't exactly like nineteen nineties TNG. Therefore, it is evil. Other <laughs> right. than those that those kind of show channels, I think by and large it's coming across that there is a respect for the history of the character, the history mm -hmm. of the franchise, and for the fans. I think, by fact, large, in my opinion. In fact, it struck me for a while, and I meant to mention this, that this season, even though we don't know where it's going yet, uh, it, in significant ways, it feels like a, an expanded version of the seventh season two-parter gambit, mm -hmm. where you have Picard on this crew of this scruffy ship with a ragtag crew doing covert stuff. Um, now there he was like kidnapped against his will, but you, it still feels very similar in some ways to Gambit. And 
for anyone who might want to say, oh, but Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future and no money and stuff like that. Well, there clear, <laughs> clearly was in Gambit yeah, right. because the, the, that's a mercenary crew and they are interested in when are we getting our payment? Yeah. And and here in this episode, we have uh, the Chris Rios character. It's like, I am expensive. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, it's very much um, a different look at the Federation and Starfleet than we've seen before. And one of the things I wanted to to, to kind of say, uh, my uh, sort of, I don't know, at this point in the season, it's very much Star Trek. This is very much Picard. It's the character we've known and loved. It yep. really feels true to Star Trek The Next Generation. And yet the style is of the series itself is very modern. It's not a mm-hmm. throwback to TNG. It's a very modern show. But with the characters we know, and I we know... And I really am glad that they've done that. They've respected mm-hmm. it in both ways. And the visual, just the filming style is much more realistic. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> Father Corey, you mentioned the uh, the YouTube channels. Uh, one of the big complaints, which I, I just have to laugh at, is the shuttles look too much yep. like the Discovery shuttles. And therefore, everything is a disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. It's, it's, wow. You know what? And from a production standpoint, it makes sense. You've got this ready-to-go model sitting in the computer that you're going to use to create the CGI. Why not use it? And and I I said before, we don't know what, up until pretty much this series, we really didn't know what your typical civilian transport would look like. And, you know, it would make sense that they would use a design of a shuttle, at least in the physical appearance, based off what was military in the past. Well, also. Keep in mind, the the rapid progress of technology over the last 150 years in our time yeah. is, an, is a bit of an aberration through history, right? Exactly. I mean, the, maybe things won't it's change as much it's in the future. It's like unprecedented, never happened before aberration yeah. in history. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, so maybe in the future, we go back to a slower pace of change, and, and at least in the design of things. Maybe the it, internals it, are different, but. And yeah. in fact, there is there are already people who are saying we are hitting a technological scientific wall and don't mm-hmm. expect this rate of change to keep well, up. Right. And we, we see that with personal computers. You know, the, it, we all three of us remember a time not that long ago where the next generation of computers were a major leap in performance. Right. In, but, you know, and we're not there anymore. We're not seeing that now, at least not on a desktop level. Right. Right. So uh, the criticisms, you know. Sometimes the criticisms can be there just to garner some views. I hate to be cynical like that, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so far I'm very happy. So uh, let's yeah. talk about stuff that happens in this episode. Yes. So we <laughs> go back to uh, we start off again, going back 14 years to the 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 time of the synth attack on Mars. Uh, but this time we're at Starfleet headquarters, and this is the day. This is the moment when Picard made his fateful decision to. Put give his ultimatum. Either we continue with the Romulan rescue, or I will resign from Starfleet. Um, and it's a moment of say hubris. I mean, that's a bit of a yeah. I'm so important to you that you will not let me go. Uh, you yeah. know, over you this. You know, and I wonder in in the previous episode they mentioned how there were members of the Federation that were basically put an ultimatum: either you get rid of the this recovery, of, uh, or we leave. Right. And I wonder yeah. if Picard even had a clue that was going on. Right. So 
the way this comes out is in a scene between Picard and Rafi in mm-hmm. front of the headquarters. We don't actually see the council meeting right. or the, whatever meeting there was. But she has been waiting outside for him to come out of this meeting, and she is just convinced that you know, she had foreseen all of the thing, all of the objections they would have and had provided him with answers to them. It's like if they say ships, you can point out we use mothballed ships. If they say crew, you point out we can use reserve officers and synths. Mm-hmm. And none of that flew with them. And he she then reveals to her that he had submit he'd used this ultimatum and they'd accepted his resignation. And she is like, can't come on. We can, we can come up with some, even without Starfleet, we can come up with some last wild desperate solution. I mean, that's what you do JL. And I like that she calls him JL like she does in the comic. Um, but, uh, he says my resignation was the last wild desperate solution. And I, I never dreamed that they would accept it. And she says, of course you didn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, she also, suspects the Tal Shiar for right. mm-hmm. some reason was involved in the Mars attack. And Picard is incredulous about that. It's like, why would the Romulans try to sabotage our um our 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 rescue effort of them? And they don't answer that in here, but my I had two thoughts. Uh number one, well they tried to do exactly that in the in the three part comic yep. series. Right. Yep. Um and so maybe you want to think back to what just happened in the comic series for an explanation. Yeah. Um but also the um if you think about the structure of the story that we have developing, we have this we have basically Sung type androids and thus far we've seen Dodge and Soji but Bruce Maddox has apparently made a nest of them. And they are very interested in cybernetic life and the Borg because Dodge was going to the Daystrom Institute, which deals with cybernetic life. And uh, Soji is at the Borg reclamation project of this, uh, the Romulan reclamation project of this big Borg cube and has bizarre detailed knowledge, as we find out in this episode, that she's not even fully aware of. Right. Of exactly how this cube crashed and why did it crash and things like that. Why did it drop out of the Borg network? Meanwhile, you have the Romulan uh, super secret police, the Zatvash, who hate in uh, synthetic life and have some terrible secret that would destroy you to know it. Um, and, and they are on the other side of this, trying to track down and eliminate these Sung androids. Well, okay. So my thought is, um, number one, the Jat Vash would have reason to attack the, use the sense to attack them, to attack Mars, to scuttle Mm -hmm. the rescue plan. If it meant sending Thousands of synthetic crew people into the Romulan rescue effort. They right. want to keep those. They want to keep those synths out of out of Romulan space at all costs. So they would have reason to say we'd rather take the hit of the supernova than let synths into our society because apparently they hate synthetic life more than anything else. Also, um, they would. They might even without the rescue effort, they might want to sour the Federation on synthetic life to keep mm-hmm. a rival nation from having it. 
And in terms of what could their big secret from the past be, the Romulans are so interested in this Borg cube that they sent a scout ship with an expert in ancient Romulan mythology into its path. It was the last ship that got assimilated and then something went wrong and it dropped out of the network. Maybe the Jat Vash or someone in Romulan history created the Borg. Right. That we've, Ooh, we mentioned that last time, I think, uh, or in our special uh, patron episode. But yeah, the, that there's some theory that maybe the Jat Vash or somebody was behind the beginning of the Borg, which is uh, uh, mm-hmm. would explain why they hate <laughs> synthetic life so much. Yep. Now, back to this, this confrontation with Rafi and Picard, which is really at the heart of her later absolute hatred of him. I mean, she just despises yeah. him. She wants him to carry on this mission to rescue the 900 million Romulans without Starfleet support. And I'm thinking, how would you do that? Like, she's being totally unreasonable to expect him to continue to fight for this. Why she's does she just not absorb? I, I took it as she hasn't absorbed the emotional impact of this yet. Right. She's she's right. just flailing. But yet, and then it doesn't help much that as she's trying to figure all this out, then she gets the call from the commander in chief of Starfleet firing right. her. I and I didn't get that. Why is she fired just right. because he resigned? Only only thing I could think of is, and maybe it's something they will show later. Hopefully, probably not. But that she spouted off and so was, what is, it was kind what of does like, it mean? fire me. Okay, fine, yeah. you're fired. You know what does it mean for an officer to be fired? Is she being reassigned or is she being kicked well, out of Starfleet? They, they said later that she got stripped of her security clearance. So I would assume that means then. And she said, and I got and I lost and then broke down. I would assume that meant she got kicked out of Starfleet because okay. I thought that that she got removed from the project and in in, in a snit she resigned her commission and thus lost her security clearance and everything she was doing at the time. And maybe, yeah. maybe she did again. They don't show that. That's the problem is yeah. Yeah. With this part is they don't really say it because, you know, I, I, I mean, I can think of again, you know, military today, you know, when I went into the air force, I had to get a, a secret level security clearance. Everybody in the air force has to get that. Yeah. You know, regardless mm-hmm. of what you do, you know, and I, I can imagine Starfleet has the same kind of thing of you've got a certain level of security clearance you have to have, even yeah. if you're the chief bottle washer of the right. USS backwater. Yeah, I, I've I've been on the other end, the civilian end of that, where um, someone was moving on uh, and a, who, one of my uh, a person I supervised uh, was moving on to naval intelligence. And as part of the security check for that, they mm-hmm. interviewed me and it's like, what can you tell us about her and so forth? Yep. Mm, interesting. Now, so, um, so I took it. Now, I think they're at, in the moment where she's getting fired. I think that at least means she's being removed from the project. Right. And I could see that if they're canceling the project, but it's an odd way to put it. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. she loses her security clearance, I took it as a potential reference to something else, because we then follow up on this scene with a scene in the present day, meaning 2399 at Vasquez Rocks. And I love it. They put Vasquez Rocks on the screen <laughs> as, I mean, the the words Vasquez Rocks to identify, yes, this really is the earthborn Southern Location. California Vasquez yep. Rocks. And I've walked right past those rocks down this little section of the path with the stone thing in the middle of the tube. But yes, I've been there. <laughs> um, and, but she's, she's, uh, she's, like drinking Picard's wine and she's vaping this leaf that she calls a snake leaf, even though it doesn't mm-hmm. look like any of the plants that 
are actually called snake leaf that I'm aware <laughs> of. Um, and it apparently has psychoactive effects because she refers to snake leaf induced paranoia. Right. So it's apparently a, uh, um, uh, uh, has psychopharmaceutical properties. And one of the things they talk about in the ready room interview with Will Wheaton a lot is how apparently as part of her backstory, she had these vices of smoking and drinking and mm-hmm. drug use really. And then when she met Picard, she got off of that. And then when Picard and when her reliance on Picard blew up in her face, she went back to all of that. And sure. I thought maybe it was her slide back into her vices, particularly the drug use and alcohol use mm-hmm. that may have uh, led to her losing her security clearance. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and she talks with us like the last 14, you know, for you, you've been to Picard. She says, you've been on your chateau for the last 14 years in retirement, sipping your wine. Um, for me, the last 14 years has been one long slide into humiliation and rage. And as I'm watching this scene and Picard just sits there and he just sort of absorbs everything because yep. he le- he knows he left her hang out to dry. He he went and ran to a chateau and he let her s- slide into yeah. this thing and he he knows it and he is not a hero here picard well, in this in this moment is is not a hero and that's that's really wild that they they decided to make that dramatic choice with him here well in, it's in, and it's, the question i have is going to be is you know why did picard cut himself off after this happened because this isn't the first time that we've seen picard you know someone say what you know why didn't you you know what happened after you left right you know he just kind of went in went into hiding for a while so I wonder if they're going to they're going to address that um, going forward. He seems to have had some knowledge of what was going on with her, even though he didn't contact her, uh, because right. it sheds new light on a line that Jabon had in the previous episode where Jabon said to Picard, what you need is someone who hates you and has nothing to lose. And right. and Picard says, I've already placed the call. And it's like, in hindsight, they both know exactly who he's talking about. Jabon right. is suggesting you need to go to Rafi. Right, mm-hmm. right. So the, there's more to come on, on this relationship. They don't reveal it all, of course, which is good. Uh, now we're back at the Borg Cube, and we have uh, this scene that we saw previewed in the Ready Room, last week's Ready Room episode, we, we kind of referred to this, where we have this former Borg who's apparently in charge of things. Watching, Hugh, that's and, you. And it turns that out to be Hugh, Hugh. Yeah. right. And it's the same actor, Jonathan Del Arco, who played Hugh in the original. We recently uh, did uh, an episode of Secrets of Star Trek on that episode of Next Generation called iBorg. Uh, go, go back and check it out if, you, if you'd like uh, on, on sqpn.com uh, and see what we had to say about that. But yes, we, we'd known Hugh was coming back, and here he is, looks very human without the uh, implants, and he's got his skin color back and some hair on his head. So uh, I'm a little well, jealous. He's got hair on his head. Yeah. I'm jealous. Now he's got one, one eye, yeah. the, obviously the eye that was covered by the, or removed by the Borg. And it's just like Jordy's replacement for his visor, the same right. kind where it's the light blue eye. Exactly. It's like you can't match his iris color. Come on. <laughs> that should be easy. That's right. I, I, bet, I have a feeling that was probably done on purpose to do that send back to Jordy's yes. prosthetic eyes. Sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so he's watching footage of Soji with the, the nameless Borg that uh, who had just been had his implants taken out where she talked to him in his, his mother tongue. And, and uh, this is bizarre. This yeah. calls, if based on what they've said, this calls for more attention than it gets because they've said mm-hmm. we don't know the name of this species. That's why we call them nameless. Right. How then does she know any oh, the, words in its native language? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So um, he does say there's 
There's no more despised people than the XBs, which is a their slang for X Borg. Um, yep. We're either to be exploited or warehoused as a danger. Um, so, and the Romulans want to do both. Exactly, exploit us and warehouse us as a danger. <laughs> so, Soji <laughs> had been looking to interview a former Borg called Ramda, who's a Romulan, and now he's granting her request. So, he must be someone very important, like the director of this yeah, project. Yeah, he's, he's the, the executive he's, director. He's, he says he's the administrator because okay. he gets challenged as like, oh, she'll need clearance to talk to Ramda. Well, I'm the executive director. Open up. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that an ex Borg who's who's not Romulan is in charge of this Romulan project. Um and so they uh she was the foremost, she says she was the foremost expert on ancient Romulan myth, which Zadvash, you know, that's that yeah, yep, that whole thing. Um she wants to use a therapeutic mystical frame mythical framework to help former drones cope. So apparently she's a therapist. That's what she's, that's her job here as a uh, Soji. Soji. Yeah, yes. Soji, Soji is an, she's an anthropologist, which of course, you know, anthro meaning human. <laughs> or like well, man. Yeah, yeah. But, I know, I know. This is, I'm, I can, I can forgive that. Be a little that. pedantic there, but. Yeah. What, what I found disturbing because, so we have this back and forth with Ramda about, because Ramda doesn't like the term mythology. And she prefers news, which in context, it kind of makes sense. But yep. it's it was interesting. But but Soji um, says that she wants to, among the ex-Borg, create a shared narrative framework. She starts using shared narrative framework as substitute for mythology. Right. Right. Um, she wants to create a shared narrative narrative framework to help them process their um, their trauma. Or, in other words, since ciphering back the word mythology into this, she wants to create a mythology to help a religion. The to, a religion. Yeah. She wants to create a religion. Wait a minute! Huge screaming, honking, prime directive alarm should be going off. Aside from common sense, <laughs> do we want? And why would a why would someone like Soji want to create a religion for X Borg? That is but, just incredibly frightening. Yeah. Remember, the prime directive doesn't apply because we're not in the Federation. So that's. Well, and, okay. And, not, and she's not Starfleet. As, so it's still I a bad idea. Common <laughs> yeah. sense. I think the prime directive binds Federation citizens, not just officers. But um, <laughs> the this is just hugely scary. And, you know, OK, so here we have and we, the viewer, know Soji's an android. Yeah. So we have an android wanting to create a religion for X Borg. How can that go wrong? You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and who is the queen, the, the queen goddess of that? Oh, I know who. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so and we'll get more into that because we, we we're going to be coming back and forth. They, they jump back and forth between this one interview between Soji and Ramda uh, and all the events that Picard is, is going through. So there's a bit of a, a jumping back and forth in time here. But so uh, Picard now tells Rafi uh, that the Tal Shiar could not be operating er on Earth without Federation complicity. I'm not sure how he knows this. It, just based on the structure of we're too good to, to let him in and not catch him, um, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and then she makes the obvious point of, so then why did you just blab everything about your secret mission to the head of Starfleet if you think someone in Starfleet is in bed with the Romulans? I don't <laughs> right. remember you being this chatty back in the day, dude. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right. 
Uh, and she says that she has evidence of the Tel Shiar connection to the Mars attack. And then so, she, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, so does she know about Commander O? Or is, is hinting like Admiral Clancy is the actual? No, I mean, I, I think she's, I think she might, the implication is she has evidence that the Tel Shiar's fingerprints are in there. I don't know if she had specific she information. fingers, though, of who it is. Yeah, yeah. And she does this. She says this line, which I thought was interesting. I'm not seeing things like people see angels. I have evidence. And I'm like, you mean like seeing red angels? <laughs> which I thought might have been a little uh, Easter egg on discovery there. Um, mm. But yeah, she does say that a high ranking Starfleet official allowed the synthetech. You, you're right. She does say that. But but I'm not sure she knows she has a specific person, just that it would have taken again, a might- high ranking. It, there, there, somebody yeah. had to give them clearance to do what needed to be done to get that attack to happen. But right. who it is, don't know yet. Because they wanted to stop the rescue mission. They didn't want to rescue the Romulans, and they right. they were willing to take extreme And they, they got exactly what they wanted, was all the sins were immediately torn down and destroyed. She is a Mars truther. So <laughs> <laughs> The truth is out there. Yeah, oh, wait, uh, that's a different show. Yes. So, um, yeah, so then we had this moment of... Um, Rafi says, I won't go with you uh, on this mission, but she does eventually bend a little bit and says, yeah, I know someone who can take you. So um, she's going to give him the name of Rios uh, to to contact. So then back at Daystrom, we have Dr. Girardi on her iPod with her um, Apple earbuds, Apple earbuds in. So apparently Apple's still selling those in a few hundred years. And she gets a visit from Commander. Oh, I'm really a Romulan who wants to talk to her about what Picard <laughs> told her um, and oh, does tell her that she is commander of Starfleet security. So we get that clearly on screen. I find it hard to believe that the commander of Starfleet security could be a Romulan because they're going to go and investigate that position very thoroughly. Yeah. And you're going to need to show that you were on Vulcan growing up the way you said you were. Now it's, I, it's- I wonder if, if, Oh, isn't actually a Vulcan who just has Romulan sympathies. Mm. That's that's what I was wondering too. If if she's a sympathizer, because of course we've obviously established that Romulans and Vulcans are related, you know, biologically. So right, yeah. it, it would make sense that you could have sympathizers for the Romulans yeah. on Vulcan. And, and if her if her career as the head of Starfleet security ends up not working out by the end of this season, given those ears she's got, she could get a second job as the flying nun. <laughs> yeah, those are some big ears. <laughs> uh, also, I find it hard to believe that the commander of Starfleet security would personally go and do the interview, not send underlings. But that's, you know, yeah. it's, it's TV drama. Unless, well, unless she's doing it to keep it from All underlings. Yeah. yeah, it's it's TV drama. They'll yeah, they they send the. In charge yeah, I was gonna say the cat. The captain goes on dangerous away missions, which you know never <laughs> happens in the real world. So, right. So, meanwhile, back at the cube, uh, Soji goes to this infirmary that's caring for the reclaimed drones who are not fully functional or mentally or emotionally. And, and these are all Romulans. They're and all Romulans. For some, re- for some reason, the Romulans who got deassimilated are broken in a way other mm-hmm. ex Borg are not broken. Right, and she calls them the disordered, which is an interesting term. Um, uh, then we have, uh, Rafi, uh, we see her now with, with Picard gone. She's now looking into all of the stuff that Picard brought up doing her own research. Um, and Picard knows it. I like how he contacts her. She's like, I'm not looking into this. He goes, of course you're not. Here's some more data. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Which is, must be infuriating to her. Um, and then, uh, let's see. 
Picard beams himself up to this uh, this new ship. This is going to be yep. uh, the ship that he's going to be traveling on with Rios, which I, I kind of like this ship. It's kind of a cool ship. I like how when he beams aboard, we get that hint of the, the TNG theme song playing. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. It's the incidental music. Um, and he meets Rios, who's apparently got in some fight with somebody and has a big chunk of metal sticking out of his arm, well, but he's well, pretty first, calm about first it. First he meets someone who he assumes is Rios, and it right. turns out it's the EMH. Yep. Yeah, that still should have been Robert Picardo, though. That still should have <laughs> well, been Robert Picardo. So, so apparently, this EMH, who also doubles as at other emergency roles, like he fixes the thing in the navigational system yep. on the right. ship. In EMH, um, <laughs> yeah, he he is skinned to look just like Rios. In fact, they're played yep. by the same actor, and he's using as the emergency hologram. He uses his native Irish accent, which I guess the Actor, the actor apparently was raised in the British Isles, oh. despite his despite his Hispanic name, and so the Irish accent that the um, e- that the emergency hologram uses is either his own native or is much closer to his native accent. Well, the and- EMH had British accent. The ENH, the one that was cleaning outside of the ship, had the Irish accent. Oh, so, so they, there's more than one okay. accent. He switched oh, okay. accent depending on which role he was doing. I, I especially like the one with the Irish accent. He really re, he's really given him pushback um, <laughs> yeah. and and as you know, he's not subservient to the guy. Right. Um, at one point, the uh, Rio says to the ENH, uh, spare me the Sunday school, cheap Sunday school moralizing and the uh, the. Uh, hologram quips back spare me the uh, angsty teenage moral yeah. relativism <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> See, i think i think what they're doing with the accent is they're showing that these are actually two separate holograms yeah. that look identical but yeah one yeah. of them's like the navigator hologram the other one's the doctor hologram i wonder right. if we'll see others uh eventually too uh that might be I bet we will and there could be other reasons other than egotism for skinning all of the all of the holograms is yourself because if you're a shady off the books guy that has a history with Starfleet that is weird because you were the XO on a ship that disappeared from the records after your that Starfleet disappeared from the records after its captain's brains were splattered across a bulkhead and you saw that and are living an off the grid off the books lifestyle you might want to have everybody on your ship look exactly like you for purposes of misdirection is yeah yeah Yes, the Ibn Majid is the was a, a heavy cruiser that he was the first officer of. Um, so he tells Picard to sit down while he's getting uh, operated on. And Picard, I like the the Picard looks at the captain's chair for a moment, then yeah. moves on to the That's other chair, the navigate chair. Yeah, navigator's chair. All, yeah. There's a the book on that. Being op- okay, go ahead. The reason he's being operated on is he had it, it. They don't clarify what happened. It could have been a fight. I thought it was an accident. Of some right. kind, like maybe he was fixing something and it blew up. Yeah. But he's got a piece of titanium shrapnel in his shoulder, and the doctor is going to take it out for him. And then he's going to refuse to use a dermal regenerator. He's got this bloody open wound, and he's just going to put his sweater over it, <laughs> which suggests he's self-destructive. Oh, and he's yes, also yep. smoking and drinking. But I like how Picard, neither in the scene with Rafi nor with Rios, is getting all woke scoldy about the smoking and drinking. Right. It's like. Nope. Here we actually have some respecting other people and not giving them grief. And actually, frankly, early 21st century Earth could learn something about that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, and well, also, like, by the way, uh, Rios okay. has a has an awesome beard. I got to say that that's a good yeah. beard. 
No, well, okay. I like he ordered a, a Guardiente, which is a anise flavored liquor from Colombia, which uh-huh. actually I want to try now. I've, I've never heard of it until mm. this. And now I want to find a bottle and try it. That sounds well, good. Speaking mm. of things that we see here uh, that are in the background, but might have uh, some some greater meaning. Uh, Rios has a book on the chair that Picard wants to sit on. It's mm-hmm. called The Tragic Sense of Life. It's by it's a real book by Miguel de Unamuno. A, it's a 1912 philosophical essay by the Spanish poet, playwright, philosopher. Um, mm-hmm. And according to Wikipedia, he said life was tragic, according to Unamuno, because of the knowledge that we are to die. He explains much of human activity as an attempt to survive in some form after our death. Uh, a little bit of trivia. The book was on the uh, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's uh, Index of Forbidden Books when that existed, mm. which it doesn't now. Yep. Um, and Unamuno's philosophy was, my religion is to seek for truth in life and for life in truth, even knowing that I shall not find them while I live. Oh. So, uh, given that Picard's terminal illness diagnosis, uh, maybe this idea of searching for meaning in life, despite knowing our end is coming, uh, mm. is some relevance there. It's, I'm curious why they've included this. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I thought it was to set up the angsty teenage angsty moral relativism. <laughs> I think that's part of it too, though. But they they picked this particular book. Um, I want to. Mm-hmm. I want this to be an Easter egg. So uh, just let me have that. <laughs> Speaking of eggs, as yeah. Rafi is looking through the records, yes, she finds the crypto algorithm is Gorn, Gorn egg. egg. Yeah, Gorn. how about that? Given that she's at Vasquez Rocks, where they filmed the Gorn episode of the original series, yes, that is a yep. very good Easter egg that to find there. So, Quite literally, almost. Um, yeah, that, 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 probably... one is, that one is a pretty obvious Easter egg. We're going to call it Gorn Egg. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is the Gorn Easter Egg. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to miss that uh, Ra- That uh, Rafi does um, ca- ca- accuse Picard of being a speechmaker. I mean, uh, Rios does. He says, Rafi yep. warned me that you're a speechmaker after Picard makes his speech, which I, th- I thought was a yep. nice, yeah. funny uh, bit. I also, I, I like... Uh, the mercenary atti- attitude of Rios, and obviously this is the beginning of a character arc, but yes. he's, yep. he's not going to stay here. But he's effectively Han Solo at this point. Yes. And he's like, hire me or don't. Don't try to get inside my head. Yeah. I don't care about whatever you're up to. I just yeah, I like, I like that money. line for... I like that line for Picard, though. You're Starfleet to the core, because like the ship is squared away. Everything is to Starfleet, you know, specs and everything. And- right. Yeah, thanks, dude. I have holograms that take care of that for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still. Uh, so uh, at the Chateau, Picard is getting ready to go off on his mission, and he says uh, to Laris, uh, I tried my best to belong to this place, but I don't think I ever truly felt at home here. Um, he's always had that one eye on the stars, you know, that uh, which we got in the, the, the next gen's uh, episodes yeah. where he came back and visited. Um what I find implausible, and I think this is very true to Jean-Luc's character, and I like how this is, he never really did reconcile himself to this place. So that's why he still has the sense of adventure that we need to propel us forward into this plot. He's not being reluctantly dragged into this. He's no. eager to get mm-hmm. into this. Um, and I like all that. What I think is ridiculous is him leaving on this mission without Laris and Jaban, who are clearly super competent agents, as we are just yes. about to find out. <laughs> right. And and so they can stay and harvest grapes. It's like, don't you have drones and holographs and other people to do that? <laughs> Well, no How drones, ha- but uh... <laughs> well, but I mean, drones well, in the modern twentieth century. I mean, we see them spraying. Sure, so, they can pick. Kind of, also, yeah. we uh, why don't they have droids in the? Oh, but you know, but you know the, the the proper 
the, the proper way to produce the grapes must be touched by human hands and not <laughs> or by Romulan. android or yeah. something. Yeah, or Romulan yeah. hands. <laughs> well, this, this is or just bad. The idea of leaving Laris and Jabon, who are clearly super competent behind, yeah. is ridiculous. And it becomes even more ridiculous after the scene we're about to have with them. Where right, it yeah. is not only do they demonstrate just how amazingly super competent they are, but it's totally not going to be safe for them at all to stay and tend over the harvest. Yeah. Right. Before we get to that scene, there is a there is a scene uh, back with uh, Soji and Ramda where she's watching Ramda play cards with Romulan tarot cards or something. Yep. Um, she deals a card that has a false door. I like this little insight into Romulan psychology, like. Um, culture. Yeah. Cu- uh, sorry. Culture. There, Romulan homes, traditional Romulan homes have a false front door to enter the house. You go around the back because because of course you do. You don't have a you don't yeah. go around the front door. You always go in the secret door. Uh, and Hugh tells her, you, you're you're kind of a know it all, aren't you? He says it's a Soji, which I kind of like. <laughs> so she sits behind Ramda going around to the, the, the real door and asks for entry in Romulan, perhaps perhaps that's the traditional phrasing she uses and thus mm-hmm. receives permission to sit at the table with Ramda to have this interview, which I thought was a nice, interesting uh, bit of Romulan culture. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have that scene that you mentioned, Jimmy, the Romulan ninjas. Yeah. Well, also as part, and this is intercut in a way that would be really hard for us to bounce back and forth yeah. between on the show. So we may as yep. well describe what happens in the different sequences okay. in going forward in the Ramda sequence. Yes. Um, Ramda uh, is kind of vague in answering questions, but Soji mm-hmm. suddenly knows a lot about Ramda, including the fact she was on this scout ship called the Shanor, which was the last ship that was assimilated by the cube. And um, and then something went wrong and the exo matrix, whatever thing collapsed and severed the ship from the Borg hive mind. And she is starts demanding to know what happened. Does does Ramda know anything about that? And at that point, Ramda um is is getting nervous and she's playing with these cards, one of which has two images on it mm-hmm. um, of these two women. And at a certain point, Soji reaches out and grabs Ramda's hand as she's playing with the cards. And then Ramda freaks out. And 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 Soji's badge that we were told if it ever turns green, run, turns green. But they don't mm. nobody notices that it happens so mm. fast, but it turns green. And so and Ramda freaks out and starts shouting about, I remember you from tomorrow. You're the destroyer of everything. Are you mm. the one who lives or who dies? Which sister are you? And she's rambling about all this stuff. She clearly understands something about um, about uh, Dodge and Soji mm. and and. But she also identifies Soji as the destroyer of everything. And this is intercut with another scene back at Chateau Picard, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Laris and Javon are sending Picard off with some treats for the road, um, you know, Roquefort cheese and 
goose stuff that stuff that goose, replicators can't goose, do good job yeah. with <laughs> goose spam if you wonder what the terra de or whatever however you say it in french that's goose spam um <laughs> nice and um so and it's an apparently a, a delicacy yeah. yeah and while while uh jaban is giving him this bag of goodies should have been a basket but while he's giving them this bag of goodies tal shiar agents break in and start shooting and trying to kill everybody and, and you, then and you have the you have the classic oh he drops something and just he bends over a laser shot goes right over his head yes yeah and he immediately says they've disabled the security alarm and laris says get them and then they spring into action and turns out there are guns hidden all Everywhere. over the place <laughs> of, awesome. course, of course <laughs> McCartney's under of course tables he has and, everywhere yeah of course picard yeah. has phasers everywhere because he's picard yeah <laughs> and and they very quickly and effectively dispatch all of the uh agents except for one who they knock unconscious mm-hmm. and as in a freddy krueger classic moment you know just when you think you've killed them all another one comes through the door with a gun yep. only he is quickly shot from behind by agnes the lady from the uh, daystrom yep. institute who is really nervous and holding a rifle from somewhere and says maybe it was on stun and lara says romulan disruptors don't have a stun setting and she's like oh and she puts it down she, and she, she, she picked just up one of the drops just phasers, killed a man yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but why would uh, this is actually a little suspicious and I'm going to get back to this. But why did the Romulans leave an unattended disruptor in the antechamber? Uh, the only thing I could think of is that, it you know, during the fight, it, you can see them flying and maybe sort of one blew maybe. out there. It is not well set up for this to be non-suspicious. I mean, but, that, that uh, could that could just be weak writing of you don't actually. And maybe yeah, I'm sure directing. if we went back frame to frame, we could actually yeah. see the thing going off the disruptor going off into the i thought the same thing though that jimmy i thought it was highly suspicious that she showed up just the right time yeah yeah and And, and i I mean that could be more true too yeah yeah Yeah. oh uh, so then the one guy they have they strap to a chair and they start to interrogate him and i like how um uh jaban is about to do a chop to the guy's neck he's like about to start wailing on the guy and and Lara stops him and says, "We're not like them anymore." And she uses a spray bottle. To <laughs> <warm up>. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, he's he's very defiant. Which Lara Lara says because he's a stubborn Northerner like you to Jabon. So apparently, Northerners <laughs> have a reputation for being stubborn well, on Romulus. And this is also explaining the the visual difference between the different kinds of Romulans we've seen. The TNG mm-hmm. Romulans. Always had those brow ridges that the classic Romulans and Laris do not do not have. So they're apparently mm-hmm. Southern Romulans. Southern Romulans, yep. yes. Yeah. All Which I can think of a, is the Christopher Eccleston doctor. Lots of planets have a north. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is a lift from you know how between Romul between Next Gen and um, the original series, there was kind of a swap between Klingons and Romulans as who's the honorable versus who are the dishonorable. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a lift from the from the Klingons, because for a long for when they changed the makeup for the Klingons to look less human in uh, the first Star Trek movie, the fan explanation or one of the main fan explanations was maybe like we've been dealing with the southern Romulans versus the northern Romulans who we're seeing now, the southern Klingons versus the northern Klingons. Right. So they've Uh, taken that and applied it to the Romulans now. 
So so the, the guy yeah. in the chair is yep. all defiant and ends up saying that you 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 won't tell them what they want to know. Uh, but he says that the that Soji, he doesn't apparently know her name, but that Soji is the destroyer of everything. So right. he's saying the same thing that Ramda does. And then he uh, he bites down on a green spit pill and spits at Jaban, who quickly takes off his garment. Uh, and meanwhile, the acid in the green spit pill disintegrates him. The Romulan, the, uh, the, the Romulan, Romulan in the chair. Yeah. In the chair. Yeah. And this this was so intercut back with uh, the Ramda, who had just said that. So apparently Ramda's connected to the Zhatvash somehow. And she in 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 the Borg cube is uh, after she freaks out, she ends up pulling a phaser from the one of the Romulan guards who's very careless yep. uh, on Soji and uh, tries to tries to kill her there. And then they, they get it back from her um, and then tries to kill herself. Ramda tries yep. to kill herself in this moment, but Soji manages to stop her. And then we have all of the other Romulan XBs, all these uh, ex Borgs who were kind of distracted through most of this. Suddenly they're now all staring at Soji with yep. what looks like hatred or, or well, disgust or some it, kind of unquieting emotion. And you notice too that at that moment, so it's Soji's super speed comes out. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And synth super yeah. speed comes out and she's quick grabs and is able to do something before Ramda can kill herself. Just like we'd seen Dodge display super speed before. Right. And she's upset because how do, how how did I know these things? How could I do these things? And we've get a scene with her back in her quarters where she's calls her mom, just like uh, mm-hmm. Dodge did and asks if Dodge is OK, because Ramda insinuated that something was wrong with Dodge. And as the mom tells her everything is OK, that causes her to pass out. Yep. Yeah. Also, mom is totally lying to her saying, oh, I heard from Dodge today. Yes. She wants to buy a puppy. I'm not sure that's the greatest idea. And then she falls over unconscious. Right. And when she wakes up, we have a scene with her and Derek, Narek. the Romulan, whatever his name is. <laughs> Narek. <laughs> Derek Narek. What is it? Narek. Narek. OK. Yeah. yeah. So Derek, the Romulan comes back in <laughs> and he's uh, talking to her and her stuffed animal and She's saying, how could I know this stuff about the Shaynor scout ship? Um, And also, we were told, uh, Soji said she was with 25 other passengers on this ship. Yep. Why are you sending a scout ship to contact a Borg cube? Mm -hmm. Um, And why does it have an expert on Romulan mythology on it? Um, And then it's coincidentally the last ship that gets assimilated before a mysterious submatrix collapse. Um, Maybe that's a coincidence. And, yeah. and and Soji is like, I didn't know any of that a few minutes before. But she then starts rationalizing it to herself. And this is actually a pretty good rationalization. She says, I've read every unclassified thing about this cube that must have been in there somewhere. The Romulan sensors must have slipped up and let it be in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then Derek, the Romulan is like, I think I'm falling in love with you. Yeah. Can you keep yeah. a secret, which is a callback to something you said before? Yeah. Yep. I may be following, which is such obvious manipulation, yeah. which is, does not speak well of Soji. Well, and he, he reacts when she mentions the the scout ship and everything. You can kind of yep. see on his face, he's kind of going, oh, she knows something she probably shouldn't be. And yeah. then, uh, All, oh, also the fact that uh, the submatrix collapse occurred after um, the Shaynor was assimilated strongly suggests this is not Hughes Cube. Because we know what caused the submatrix collapse collapse on Hughes Cube, it right. was Hugh being reintroduced to the cube. Right, right. So it's probably something to do with that scout ship. 
then uh, Narex, Derek's sister, shows up. Uh, her name is uh, Narissa, or at least that's her, her undercover name. But she's looking like a Romulan here again, and they have uh, some interaction which shows that uh, they're basically typical someone, brother and sister. Someone <laughs> well, typical brother creep, and sister. Creepy, over-sexualized brother and sister. I suppose. Oh, yeah, I guess there was a little bit of that in there. They were a little close and whispering, and yeah, that was a little strange. That was a little weird. Uh, that, I, I meant the hostility, but yeah, there was the um, hostility, yes. Yeah, but that's a Romulan thing, maybe. So uh, Picard, back at the Chateau, Picard asked you know, Dr. Gerardi, she had said before, I told Dr. Uh, Dr. O, Command, Commodore O, everything, except for I held one thing back. And I'm like, at the time, I'm like, well, why did you ask her what she didn't say? Well, now he asked her, well, so what is the one thing you held back from Commodore O that I'm going with you? And then she lays out all the reasons why he needs to take her with him. And Which is unnecessary, to, she's, but she's, it's, it is an interesting character moment. And, you know, I, I'll cop to this. I think through, converse, like anybody, I think through conversations in advance and I enumerate my points. And she's got her three points of why you're taking me with yep. you. <laughs> exactly. And so they beam up and then the, Rafi is already there. Uh, she says she found Maddox at some place called Free Cloud, which I thought was yep. just like an online gambling uh, Based <laughs> website. Based on the ad, one would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and she wants to go with them there, but won't tell Picard why, uh, why she's but she going. wants a ride. Yep. Um, and then uh, Rios looks to Picard to to get, set things off. And we get that we finally get the moment where Picard says, engage. And as the, the TNG theme starts in the background. Yes. Which, and, uh, and as Rios starts waving his hands for the virtual tactical holographic. user interface, which is completely mm-hmm. impractical, no matter how cool it looks. It's like, yeah. no, <laughs> you, we want solid objects to manipulate, even if it's just a flat screen that we dance our fingers across. Yeah, waving your hands around like this is a terrible idea. It's and a your, bad your hands will get so tired constantly up here as you're steering that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's right out of Discovery, so we're we're, we're establishing continuity with Discovery. Uh, so, and that's uh, that's where we we finish things off for this episode. Now we're off. We've we've completed as as we've said before. The producers called this the first three episodes essentially the pilot for the series, yep. and we've kind of finished. This. It's the end of the beginning, as the episode is titled. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're pretty on the nose with that title. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're now off to our further adventures, where. Um, we're going to see Picard uh, apparently go to a, one of the Romulan refugee worlds where the Rom, you know, where the Romulan people are living now, uh, where you'd think Picard's probably a bit of a hero, uh, given mm-hmm. what he did for them. So that's that's going to be or interesting. tried to. Yep. Yep. Well, he, he must have saved some of them anyway. But uh, uh, so they so that's what's coming up. But uh, anything we left to say about this episode here? The Any final thoughts? Father? Uh First, uh, I like the, the uniforms from the Attack on Mars era. I thought they looked yes. pretty good, although it looked a little loose on, on Picard, but that probably has to do with, with his age more than anything else. But that, otherwise, yeah. I, the uniforms obviously were a derivative of the TNG era uniforms, so I liked how those looked. Um, I was wrong about Riker and Troy. I was sure they were going to show up in this, but obviously <laughs> not. So. Maybe well, they're oh, on well. free cloud. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like how one of the, uh, the reclaimed Romulan Borgs uh, the Romulan XBs was playing with a Rubik's cube. Yep. A little Romulan Rubik's cube. cube. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly like our Rubik's cube, but the same basic concept. It's the same, the same pattern type of thing. And then, um, 
again, now we're going to have the question, is the mom real? Is Soji and Daj's mom real, or is she just an AI that they think is their mom? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. Yeah. Jimmy, anything? So Agnes is totally going to betray them at some point. Um, (laughs) She conveniently shows up at just the best moment at his home. Uh, Although she had been there before, but she shows up just at the most convenient moment with a gun she shouldn't have. Um, And uh, when she gets on board Rios's ship that I still don't know the name of um, and may not have one since it's an awesome ship. La Serena. Okay. Um, Okay. The moon. Um, She Rafi is immediately suspicious and says to Picard, you didn't ask me to run any kind of security check on her, not even the most basic. So that's clear foreshadowing. And also in one of the trailers, we get a flash of a moment where someone who looks who appears to have the hands of Commodore O is doing a mind meld on uh, Agnes. Hmm. Oh, so, Jimmy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she is a she is going to sort of at least sort of betray them later on, but I suspect she will ultimately side with good. Um also, speaking of things that are gonna happen in the future, uh we have another bit of for dialogue foreshadowing that uh Derek the Romulan is not going to remain fully true to his Romulan ideology. We've already been told mm-hmm that he is unpredictable and in the previous episode and in this episode after he says to Soji I think I'm starting to fall in love with you um when he has the creepy conversation with his sister in the hall as he's leaving his sister says see that you don't fall in love with her and swats him in the butt and sends him on his way and <laughs> so that's more foreshadowing he really is going to fall in love with Soji mm-hmm. and he he will be tested as well and may also side with good uh, I want to know more about the, and obviously we'll find out more about the Ibn Majid and why it was erased from the records mm-hmm. and what Rios's backstory is. I want to know how the Sung type androids have so much knowledge about Romulan history and this cube, you know, with the, the Shane or scout ship and everything. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, My guess is that the reason Soji is the mother, the destroyer of everything is she's the mother of all synths. What the Romulans are fearing, or at least part of what they're fearing, is that uh, Soji is going to and Daj were meant to help rehabilitate synths in the eyes of the Federation Mm. and thus reintroduce them to society. So that may be part of it. Also, now that we have actors coming back, not just from Next Gen, but from Voyager, like uh, Seven of Nine is going to be showing up. I want to see by next season uh, characters from Deep Space Nine, too. Oh, that would be an interesting series. Uh, One that involves uh, Picard and um, Captain Sisko. And that relationship. to come back from Profit Land, but I know that That would be cool. I think. Yes, it would. (laughs) Uh, I have a few other things left to say uh, on this is. La Serena is Spanish for uh, mermaid or siren, like the mythical sirens. Okay. Uh, so, th- uh, so there's. I don't know if there's a something there. Oh, I was I was mistaking one of the consonants. Selena, it would have been the moon. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, the uh, Patrick Stewart, the way he's playing Picard, at times in the present day, so far he plays him kind of hunched over, like an old man who's kind of like uh, shuffles and hunches. Over yep. and in the past he has him standing upright, so it's not just Patrick Stewart's 
natural posture now that he's older. Mm-hmm. Um, he's consciously playing him as an older man. I'll be curious to see as the series goes along how that posture changes and if it indicates a character change. I'm hoping his voice is going to change a little bit because he's been doing this old man voice that and even in the even in the flashback to 14 years ago, he was doing the old man voice that I I would like his voice to be a little more robust. I think that might be Patrick Stewart's voice now. (laughs) I think that's that's the fear of it's just he's 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 got old man voice because he has old man voice (laughs) about that other than computer well, they, exactly. They could they you'd think there'd be some filter to tweak that and they may be using a filter to tweak that. It may be even worse than it is. Right. Right. So uh, that's all I had on this. And so we're we're we're, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I do want to first before we finish things to very importantly, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of Star Trek, including Mary N, Jason M, uh, Tim, Tim C, Declan M and Adam R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, I did. I did forget. We do have a bit of feedback. I just want to quickly throw these in there uh-huh. um, because yes. they were good. From last week's Maps and Legends, Matt M. sent an email who's, and said, uh, after Picard met with the CNC, the commander in chief of Starfleet, I almost expected a scene with with his Romulan friends asking oh, yeah. the word admiral and him saying the word is no i am therefore going anyway this is a great callback to the search <laughs> that was great and from the same movie in this episode i kind of i didn't expect but i wished that in the negotiations to have the starship it's like genesis is sector forbidden because <laughs> it, it felt like <laughs> the right, same right. kind of hiring the shady starship captain <laughs> yeah, exactly that was yes that would have been good uh, then Kevin Greenlee on Facebook writes, uh, I'm enjoying Picard. And I'm glad you are, too, regarding the Romulan conspiracy. And then I think this is where uh, he'll, he talks a bit here about that. He thinks that the deep, dark secret, the the uh, Vash, is that they created the Borg. And he says, I'm not sure how this would work, given the Borg's main presences in the Delta Quadrant, but it would tie all the pieces together. It would be an, also be an interesting callback to the disappearing colonies on the border of Romulan space all the way back in the first few seasons of TNG, which matched the colony scooped up by the Borg in the first encounter with them. It wouldn't be a bad revelation per se. It would just play into the modern tendency in genre fiction for everything to be connected in ways that stretch credulity. So there's, there's that danger. Well, I mean, the Delta so. Quadrant, you know, is right next to the Beta Quadrant. So it could make sense that the Romulans shipped them off somehow or sent them off into the Delta Quadrant somehow but where they they escaped and went there yes yeah. yep yeah and given that the cubes have been coming back and forth from the delta quadrant that's apparently possible uh all right so uh, i'm glad we did get that feedback in if you'd like to uh give us your feedback on uh our episode here or on picard or anything else we'd love to hear from you by if you go to comment on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our facebook page at facebook.com slash starquest media or you can send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode, Absolute Candor. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Uh, thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. well. Let me be absolutely candid and, like Richard Nixon, make one thing perfectly clear. <laughs> thank you and live long and prosper. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom <laughs> Bettinelli. 
Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, apropos of Richard Nixon, I'm not in the habit of consulting lawyers before I do what needs to be done. <laughs> Very good. Unplanned. That was unplanned. <laughs>